When I was in junior college, I transferred from the local community college to a university a few hours away. Due to a communication issue with the admissions office, I had a very short amount of time to find living accommodations. I didn't know anyone in the area, so I looked at Craigslist ads, renting out rooms, and found a place near my school. I met up with a guy renting out the room, and the house was large, beautiful, and in a very nice neighborhood. Peter, the man who owned the home, was in his early 30s, worked mostly from home in his bedroom office, and was very polite. Peter also rented a room to another university student that was out of town until the semester began. This third roommate was very quiet and nice as well. For my first week there, I was completely alone in the house because Peter had a business trip and the third roommate was not back from his parents' place yet. The house was a little bit eerie because it was so large and mostly unfurnished, aside from a lone couch in the living room, a television set, and our own personal bedroom furniture. There were two entire bedrooms that were completely empty, and a locked, empty upstairs that you could only access from an outdoor staircase directly outside my bedroom. The house had several additions, so the layout was rather odd. My bedroom was very spacious and had visible wiring throughout the room and the closet, which itself had a broken door that was propped up to the side. Peter told me that the previous owners used it as an office, and the internet wires once ran through my room up into the upstairs. I checked the wires because it gave me a bad feeling, but I didn't find anything outwardly suspicious, mostly because I had no idea what to look for. Once Peter returned from his trip, I noticed some odd things about him. He would say strange things to me that were oddly sexual, but English wasn't his native language, so I didn't know if we just had a language barrier and I may be misinterpreting him. Peter liked to take pictures of me without my consent and post them onto Facebook, usually tagging me in the process. At first, the pictures were very mild, such as me sitting on the couch with a friend or me typing on my laptop at the new kitchen table. He would turn the flash off, so I never knew he was taking these pictures, until later when I saw them on the internet. The pictures became more invasive with time though. One was of me in a towel, when I was walking from my bathroom to my bedroom, and another happened to be of me tanning in the backyard, at a time that I didn't even know Peter was home. I found Peter strange and uncomfortable, but the room was a steal, and I loved the location. Our third roommate shared a thermostat with me that controlled my bedroom, his bedroom, and the hallway that led to the living room. The thermostat was located in my bedroom near my closet, so I always left the door unlocked for him to change it if needed. One day, Peter was out of town, and the third roommate was changing the thermostat when he noticed something strange behind one of the wires coiled up in the closet. He called me over to inspect it, and it looked like a shiny, tiny black ball. I was really afraid it was a camera, so I put a piece of duct tape over the ball. I considered saying something to Peter, but didn't want to accuse him of something I really knew nothing about. He also wasn't home yet, so me and the third roommate decided we would ask him about it together once he was home. Peter returned to town two nights later on a red-eye flight. I always slept with my door closed, but left it unlocked in case my third roommate needed in. I woke up the night Peter returned, 
disoriented, and noticed the door was open with a small rectangle of light spilling in and someone moving around inside my room. I stayed very still and tried to make out the figure, which was standing near my closet, directly across from my bed. My eyes were having difficulty adjusting to the darkness, but I could clearly see a person slowly moving throughout my bedroom. The figure left, and I turned the light on, inspected my closet, to see that the piece of tape was missing and not anywhere on the floor, like it would have been had it just fallen. I opened my door and saw Peter walking down the hallway, back towards his bedroom. I quietly followed him, and when he walked into his room, I demanded to know what the hell he was doing in my bedroom in the middle of the night. When I confronted Peter, he jumped, obviously surprised that I was in his room. Behind him, on the desktop that he was always hunched over doing his work, was a grainy video image of my bedroom, faltering in the dim lamp that I had just turned on. I could clearly see my bed in the frame. Although Peter was a creepy man, he wasn't the most confrontational and he immediately began apologizing and trying to explain to me that it wasn't what it looked like. I don't have the best closing for this experience. I contacted the police and immediately moved in with someone I met at school. I don't want to disclose anything about the investigation because charges were pressed. But this was several years ago now, so I wanted to finally get this experience off my chest and out of my mind. I'm not sure how much footage Peter had of me, and if it still exists somewhere on the internet or in an evidence box at the police station. I'm not even sure when the camera was installed and if he ever had anything worthwhile of taping, other than a few nude shots he shared with other people through the internet. I don't know how much and what exactly it was. The police told me that I didn't want more details. So little was disclosed to me about exactly what he had, and honestly, I hope that I never know. The third roommate moved out the same time that I did, and when I drove past the house a few months back, there was a foreclosure sign in the yard. Not sure what happened to Peter, but at least he won't have that house to perv out on anybody else in. Unlike most people nowadays, I really love Craigslist. I'd estimate I've met maybe 300 people from buying and selling stuff there. And for the most part, everyone was nice and harmless. However, I did run into two creeps who made me rethink meeting strangers alone to sell stuff. FYI, I'm a female and I was in my early 20s at the time that this all happened. First guy. It's 2009 and I'm staying with my parents for the Christmas holidays in a small town in, you guessed it, Florida. I'm going through my childhood room and cleaning out the closet when I find a giant CD holder filled with maybe 100 really sh** CDs. Think Nickelback, Aqua, Chumbawamba. It's the 21st century. I don't have use for these CDs anymore. I figure I'd try to sell the CDs on Craigslist. Put up a listing. 100 CDs from the late 90s and early to mid 2000s mix of pop and rock, all for $35 or best offer. The next day, I get an email from a guy named John around 2 p.m. He says that he's in town temporarily and that he wants the CDs. 
He says he can pick them up after dinner, around 8 p.m. I message him back my address and number and tell him to text or call when he's on his way. 8 p.m. comes and goes. I figure I've been stood up, which happens relatively often on Craigslist. No big deal. My dad works for a liquor distribution company and would often do demonstration nights at restaurants and bars and would come home around bar closing time. This particular evening, he gets home at around 3 a.m. I'm in college and a total night owl, so I'm still up, probably eating junk food, surfing the web, and watching horror flicks. I hear a car pull up, look out the window, and see my dad sitting in his car eating food. He often stops at Taco Bell on his way home and eats it in his car so my mom doesn't know he's cheating on his diet. When, maybe 10 minutes later, my dad comes in and shouts my name. Hey, there's someone here to see you. Can you please tell me why a strange man is showing up at our house at 3 a.m.? What? I go downstairs and my dad says some guy pulled up in the driveway and asked for me by name. I walk outside with my dad and this guy who's maybe in his mid-30s gets out of his car. He says he's the Craigslist guy who wanted to buy my CDs. My dad heads back in the house. I tell the guy it's really, really late to just be stopping by, especially without texting first. However, since I'm awake, I go and grab the CDs. He then proceeds to drone on and on about why he's buying the CDs in the first place. He says he's engaged to a woman that he loves very much, and all he wants to do is make her happy. He said that last week, someone broke into her car and stole all of her CDs. She was really upset, and he wanted to make it up to her. He looked on Craigslist and found my listing, and was really excited because I had a bunch of the CDs she used to have. The weird thing is, I didn't list any of the artists or bands in the ad, although I didn't think about that at this time. Anyway, he said he was getting it for her as a Christmas present. He said he was staying with his future in-laws somewhere nearby, and that their family barbecue had run really late, which is why he never made it at 8 p.m. By this point, I've lost all interest and say something along the lines of, that's sweet. Next time, you should probably call or text the Craigslister instead of just showing up. I hand him the CDs. He hands me the cash. I go back inside. Three days later, I start getting texts from an unknown number. Hey, I don't know my way around this town. Care to tour guide? I could really use a massage. Where can I get a massage in this town? You're Asian. Do you do massage? Would you take $40 for a one-hour massage? Happy ending? Me, finally. Who the f*** is this? Oh, sorry. I bought the CDs from you the other day. Do you squirt? I didn't respond, obviously. I show my friends that night, and we laugh it off. But the next day, I continue getting more texts. I still have your address. I'm at the Bank of America near your neighborhood. I just got the $40, babe. Only three minutes away. Are you home? You fucking cut. Stop ignoring me. I'm almost there. I immediately ran downstairs to tell my mom and dad what was happening. 
It was nighttime, so we shut off all the lights outside and inside my house. My mom, little brother, and I went into my parents' room in the back of the house. My dad hid behind the curtains of the front bay window with his shovel in hand. A few minutes later, I heard him run down the front hallway, fling that front door open, and run outside. We heard some faint shouting, so we all walked out from the bedroom. By that time, my dad had come back in with his shovel, his face all red, and his hair rather disheveled. Apparently, the guy came driving down our street really slowly. My dad recognized the car and went running outside with the shovel, yelling obscenities directly at the guy. The guy peeled off and never came back or texted me again. That was just story one. The second guy. I was moving from Florida to Washington, D.C. and was going to load up my car as much as I could with my stuff. However, I lived on the third floor, plus a bit of a walk from my assigned parking spot, so I figured that I could use some help. I posted an ad on Craigslist Gigs. I said I was looking for someone to help me load some heavy items, like a TV, desk, etc., into my car. Less than an hour's worth of work in total, and I'd pay whoever $45 for their time. I give the very first responder my number and address. You're probably picking up a pattern here. Eventually, he shows up. This guy had to be 5 feet 8 inches tall and 350 pounds of pure fat. The sweat and smell coming off this guy in the Florida heat was pretty nauseating on its own, but I didn't care as long as he did the job right. While he was carting heavy stuff, I was loading the lighter things. Whenever I'd go upstairs to grab another load, he'd hurry after me so he could walk up the stairs behind me. I had the door propped open so he didn't have to worry about me needing to unlock the door for him or anything. When he'd follow me up the stairs, he made these weird grunting noises, but I assumed it was just because he was out of shape. Eventually, everything's loaded properly, save for some sweat smears on my stuff. I pay him, and he drives off. I head back into my place to finish loading and cleaning. I head back outside maybe 45 minutes later to put another load into my car, and I see his truck is back, parked across the street from mine. He's sitting in the driver's seat, looking at me. When he sees me notice him, he looks away. That's when I walk over to his window and knock. He rolls it down, and I ask if he needs help, or if he's lost. I was really confused as to- Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why he had come back. I knew he didn't live anywhere near me. He didn't say a thing. He just rolled his window back up and drove off. Um, okay, whatever. Of course, five minutes later, my phone starts blowing up. I don't recognize the number, so I don't answer the calls. Then, texts start rolling in. Him. I bet you taste salty and sweet. Me. 
Who is this? Him. It's your hired help. Him again. What are you up to tonight? I can come back over. I get this profound sinking feeling in my gut. The thing about Craigslist guy was that he had never called me after I gave him my number for the job, so I didn't have his. Him once more. I like your pink panties. That's when I realized that he was looking at my dress whenever I was walking up the stairs. I immediately felt like a total idiot for wearing a dress that day. He then started dialing my number over and over again. I didn't know how to do the block number thing through Sprint, so I had to just turn my phone off. Later on, I was with a guy friend of mine, grabbing a bite to eat, when I turned my phone back on. I got another text from the guy about how he wanted to toss me around like a ragdoll, tie me up, and make me beg for it. I show the text to my friend and tell him the whole story. Craigslist creep then proceeds to start blowing up my phone once more. So my friend answers and says that he's going to cut his dick off and feed it to his dog if he ever contacts me again. I moved the very next day, so I never had to worry about him randomly showing up all sweaty in his truck again. Since then, I've bought and sold stuff off Craigslist plenty of times, but now I always make sure to meet people in public places. It may have taken me a while, but I eventually learned the lesson. I'm a 21-year-old dude, previously unexposed to the true creeps of the world and I've never encountered anything quite like what I encountered today with my girlfriend. It felt straight out of a horror film. First, a bit of background. My girlfriend is moving to a small town for graduate school, so we both took a trip to the town this week to try to find her a place to rent. Her parents suggested that I go with her instead of them. My girlfriend then contacted many landlords in order to view different properties. The majority of them belong to legitimate realty and apartment companies. Our first meeting, however, came from a Craigslist ad. The house itself was in a nice neighborhood, but the property owner initially requested quite a bit of information about my girlfriend, such as all her living situations in the past year. It didn't seem fishy yet since, through text, he seemed to be a normal guy. My girlfriend set up the appointment in advance. However, she sent him texts and called him, as he required, several hours ahead of our appointment. He didn't answer any of them. Nonetheless, we walked to the house itself, hoping he would show up to give us a tour of the property. Now, I'm going to shift to the present tense. We're strolling outside the house when suddenly, the landlord calls my girlfriend. She tells him that we're here now. We? He asks. My girlfriend explains that I'm here with her to help her judge the property, and she begins to act confused. Then she says my name. She hangs up, and we sit on the curb adjacent to the house. That was so creepy, she says. He talks so slowly and got mad at me when I said that I was with you. Apparently, the landlord had paused when she said we, and he said to her through the phone, it's just, sometimes people don't bother to tell me these things, that they're with their husbands or boyfriends. It just comes as a surprise sometimes. 
Then he asked for my name. She's a bit weirded out, and I started to get that same weird feeling. So that's when I asked about his name, what he said to her in the past, etc. We have about five minutes before the appointment. I quickly look up his name on my iPhone, and I get zero hits. I look up his self-named real estate business. Also, no hits. Now at this time, as we're sitting at the curb, we both notice a greasy-haired middle-aged man cross the street, coming from the area of the house. He opens his run-down red car up and sits inside. We both think that it's the landlord. The timing of the phone call culminated in this man walking to his car after all. But it's not. The minute of the appointment approaches, so we leave the curb and walk to the front porch of the house. At this time, the greasy-haired man turns on his car and pulls a U-turn just as we cross the street. He sees us in full view before driving off. That's when a new car pulls in on the opposite side of the street. It's him. We'll call the landlord Jay. Jay is wearing old dirty jeans and sneakers. He's over 50 years old, tall in stature, and has on a t-shirt with holes and a baseball cap. Perhaps his most prominent feature are his eyes. He gazes with both eyes wide open, his left eye being slightly larger than the other and more reluctant to close when he blinks. We introduce ourselves, but he won't shake our hands. Sorry, he says, but my hands are dirty. Just got off work. He doesn't explain this further, where he was coming from, what type of work makes his hands dirty, things like that. I immediately sense a strangeness about him, like something is just a bit off. He pauses awkwardly before he speaks and refuses to answer any questions about himself. Instead, he pries about us as he glares into our eyes. Where are you from? More specifically, what city? What school do you go to? Have you ever lived anywhere else? Okay, okay, so this isn't a recipe for hesitance yet. But his demeanor and his emotional distance as a person have both of us on guard. Rather than show us the house, he leads us around to the backyard. The washer and dryer are in the basement. Follow me. Alarms are ringing loud in my head. No, you have to be kidding me. But we are genuinely interested in the house, so we hesitatingly follow him. That's when I internally vow to be wary of my distance from him and our situation in relation to him. So when he unlocks the outside door to the basement, I make sure he goes first. He reluctantly does, and as he slowly steps down the stairs, he pulls on the light switch. The light doesn't turn on. He slowly hums, hmm before stepping right into the darkness. My girlfriend is just in front of me and I make sure that I watch the door behind me. So we both stay at the top of the stairs right next to the door. The weird thing is that he doesn't say anything. He merely fiddles with the washer and dryer before turning to go back up the stairs. My girlfriend is smart, feels the off-putting vibe in the situation and spaces herself away from him as well. Jay leads us back to the porch where he softly knocks on the door. Now, the property 
has an adjacent rentable house next to this section. So as I look in, I notice a few things. There are backpacks placed on the dining room chairs. There's just a screen door, since the main door is open. And there are books perfectly stacked on the dining room table. As Jay begins opening the door to our side of the building, he tells us about the co-residents. But he doesn't say anything other than the fact that they are students. He walks to the flat, and the main door is slightly ajar behind us. Close that, will you? He says to me. I carefully close the door, then try opening it to see if it'll open. But it doesn't. The door is now locked. I quickly begin fiddling with the latches within sight. This cannot be happening, I think to myself, now fully in fight mode. I find one that unlocks the entrance, and just as I open the door, he barks at me from inside the flat. Just close the door already. Now, at this point, we are feeling weirder and weirder about this man by the minute. He shows us the kitchen, but as he talks, he stares with an inhuman look in his eyes. When he stares at me, I stare right back in his eyes, trying to convey my own fearlessness against his emotionless gaze. He eventually gives up on me and stares into my girlfriend's eyes. He stares and stares, and she eventually gets weirded out, rightfully so, at his eerie, constant staring without breaking eye contact. Now, yes, we could have technically left by now, but in the actual situation, it's not exactly easy to forge an excuse to do so. So instead, we view the rest of the small home, waiting to get the f*** out of there. I'm solely focusing on my body spacing from him versus my girlfriend's body, purposefully contorting myself to be facing him at all times. He tries to block us in the small bathroom by standing in front of the door, but I never put my back toward him, and as such, he keeps a little distance away. Some weird things happen. He occasionally slips his hand into his pocket, but I blatantly stare at his hands, anticipating anything to come. When I do so, he casually slips his hand from inside of his pocket. He begins bumbling about how this place is perfect for a college girl. I tread carefully, as if there is a second person around a corner, just waiting for us. This is a feeling of paranoia that I've never felt in my life before. Then suddenly, I realize just how cliche this house is for a college male, the supposed tenant of the home. There's protein powder and creatine supplement on display. Quinoa and recently purchased vegetable packs lie on the counter, just like a movie setup. But then it's also disheveled, with crumbs on the sofa, clothes scattered in the corner of the room, framed posters of bands. He comments on all of these qualities. The tour is almost over, when he stops short of the attic. And this is the attic, for storage only, that's pretty much it, he says. But he doesn't take us up there, like he did for the other rooms. When we ask if the furniture comes with the place, he initially says no, but then he says we can make it work if we so wish. As I head back downstairs, I keep my peripheral vision fixated on him, so you can imagine the relief we felt when we reach the front porch. His slow talking, his avoiding all questions about his personal life. For instance, I asked him where he was from, and after a few seconds of pause, 
All he said was upstate. That's it. When we finally leave, he shakes our hands this time, staring more into my girlfriend's eyes. I watch him walk to his car as we stroll away, but when we almost turn the corner, that's when he walks back towards the house. I look up his name more in depth later, and I find a few troubling things. This apparent property owner is documented online with an address for a secluded forest home, with a trailer in the driveway and trees to block the view from the street. The off-putting part here is that this property is listed as his real estate office. He lists other properties, one under the guise of saying two female college students are looking for a third female roommate. Worst of all is when I find an alternative address for him, it's the very room next door to the house that he showed us, the one with the backpacks and books on the table, the one apparently belonging to college inhabitants. But we saw nobody else that day, either due to our perception of the situation or the slight elevated fear. It all seemed staged, just a little too perfectly messy and he didn't give us any tangible facts about the other people who lived there. All we know is that he was pissed that my girlfriend brought me along. He was vague about the people who lived there, and especially who he himself was. He tried to burn his apathetic eyes into ours, combined with his slow and indirect, unreadable drawl. In hindsight, why is it that that greasy-haired man drove away as soon as we approached the house? right after Jay found out that my girlfriend had brought me along. Plenty of red flags were elevated during that span of just 20 minutes, but I've never felt anything like that in my life, as if I was detecting a rotten aura. What if it had been just one single person descending into that basement with that man? What if there was another man unknowingly hidden in that darkness? I shudder to think that a diabolical plan was called off today, but part of me feels as if there is no other alternative.